Picture this. You're a teenager. You live in a small town. You feel weird in your own body. You don't know what that means, and you don't have access to information that can help. So what do you do? Today's guest turned to online gaming, and now he has some opinions. Welcome to Replay, the show that invites you to join us at the game table. I'm your host, Clara Mount. On Replay, we are building a more inclusive community by creating a space for underrepresented gamers and their allies to share their voice. We'll tell stories about our experiences and provide new perspectives that challenge our community to think a little differently about who we are and what we do. Replay is a Victor Media Group original. You can find episodes of this and all other Victor Media Group shows on our website at victormediagroup.co. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and connect with us on your favorite social media platform. So today's guest is Oliver. Oliver is a trans man living in the middle of nowhere in central British Columbia in a town with a population of 10,000, where according to him, the gaming community is non-existent. Uh, to get his gaming fix, Oliver turns to online communities where he has become the forever GM in a series of tabletop RPGs. Um, but role-playing and gaming have been a big part of his trans journey, so I am thrilled to have him on today's show. Welcome to Replay, Oliver. Hi, thanks for having me on, I guess. <laughs> so the first per first part of the show, uh, we start by just talking about gaming and your experience with games and why you love them. So we're just going to jump right on in. What is the number one reason that people should care about games? Well, I think games are um, just one of the most important aspects of being humans, particularly the creative storytelling aspect of it. Um, like we were kind of talking about earlier, I think that... Uh, the communal storytelling aspect of D and D, um, in particular, mm -hmm. is just a fundamental part of being human. Um, just yeah. going way back to uh, when our society first started forming, like telling those kinds of stories and working together to to create like that. I think is well for one a privilege because we are in a situation where we're not needing to hunt and <laughs> the you know, survival. survive uh, <laughs> yeah. so we can flex our creative muscles and that's where you know art thrives is when people are are happy and and safe and the storytelling aspect of D and the communal aspect of working together to create that story mm -hmm. um i think it is the pinnacle of the human's ability to tell stories like working together to create something great right yeah like, uh all all of the best Movies, all of the best television are collaborative, diversified, mm -hmm. and and it's not just one person, right? Yeah. It's all of these minds coming together to put forth something really good. Yeah. And that's what D&D is in the end. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, because you don't have a story if you don't have, you know, your four or five people around the table or whatever telling it together. Exactly. Like D&D is... It's just, a, if it's just a GM, then you're, you're nothing. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And video games too, I think are, are an important aspect of, of telling stories because it's touching on all sorts of different parts of it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, and it, it, they're- Audio, the, visual. 
they're like fully immersive, right? Because they yeah, are audio yeah. and visual and there's a story and there's all of that. Yeah. The role-playing aspect especially is like, uh, I'm not sure why, but I think it really, it really touches into uh, a primal part of us is it to get us to really experience the story rather than just reading it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. What was your first introduction to gaming? To, to gaming? To gaming. Like tabletop or video? Whatever, whatever you're, whatever you started with. Let's oh, go. Man. <laughs> uh, actually, funny, funny enough, uh, when I was very, very little, I don't know if you ever did this as a kid. I'm sure all kids must have, but you know, playing pretend, LARP, like LARPing as a little kid. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would argue that that was probably, because I went hard into play pretend. As a yeah. Kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think like that was probably my first introduction to role play. Mm-hmm. And um I think it's all connected. So like role play and video games and all of that, I think it all kind of touches on the same part of the brain. Mm-hmm. Right? At least for me it does. It all it all strokes that lobe the same way. <laughs> strokes the lobe the same way. <laughs> the uh uh like the creativity, is that what you're saying? The yeah, yeah, like the the experiencing of the story and the um, okay. I, I, well, you know, I would say you know not all video games, but the video games where you have like an impact and you're you're crafting the story with your character, right? Yeah, those kind of video games touch the same, stroke the same lobe as uh, <laughs> as as D and D and as as LARPing as um, anything where you're experiencing the story. I think. Yeah. And I think that is the best form of storytelling is anything where you're experiencing the story yourself. Mm-hmm. You're a part of it. You're, you're uh, molding it even just a little bit. Yeah. Were you a big fan of choose your own adventure books growing up? I never had any. Really? I was very poor <laughs> growing up. So I was all like imagination based, which I think is probably why I was so drawn to D&D because it is just imagination. In the end, in the end of the day, all you need to play D and D is a pen and paper, mm-hmm. paradise. Yeah, that's yeah, it. that's true. In your that's imagination, you and I, that's how I played D and D. In fact, when I was um, when I was in high school, we had this thing called uh, oh, can I say can I say brand names on here? Oh, absolutely. Okay, we had this thing called Denny's and Dragons. <laughs> Denny's and Dragons. Denny's and Dragons, and so we would go to Denny's at uh, when and the only time anyone goes to Denny's, which is like three in the morning, of course, when you're plastered. Already, you're already drunk so you go to Denny's <laughs> at three in the morning because nowhere else will take you and mm-hmm. we would play Denny's and Dragons and if all we needed was a coin <laughs> and it was a you succeed or you fail oh that's awesome <laughs> and we just play Denny's and Dragons at the table with with the coin or do you succeed or do you fail your thing that's awesome <laughs> that's so clever too now I'm like what can I do with just a coin we need to figure that game out <laughs> well, there's so many things you can do with just your imagination man all you all you it. need is like that one aspect of random that will make it a game that's awesome uh what are your favorite games now um and why uh right now I I mean if we're talking tabletop I love Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition I think is a very good streamlined game I started with 3.5 and mm-hmm. I, uh, I I own like all of second edition for some reason I've never played it but I own it <laughs> Um, hobbyist collector got it <laughs> I get, yeah no uh, I think my mom gave it to me or something she's like hey you're into Dungeons and Dragons here's these and I'm like oh cool put them in a box never touch oh no <laughs> I mean I looked, I've looked through them I looked through them but you know uh second edition is not 
that one's definitely more gamey a lot less like um open to the role play but, uh, okay okay I mean if people enjoy it people enjoy it. I have a friend who prefers second edition it's his favorite edition it's just not huh. for me He's why um <laughs> so why why role-playing games like why are those your favorite um I think it all goes back to my my idea that my favorite stories are the ones that you have an impact on right yeah and role-playing games are those kinds of stories you generally don't have an impact in stories that aren't rpgs or whatever you're yeah. just playing through someone else's vision but the ones that you have an impact on i think they stick with me they have like a power to like really feel like mm. i did this the know? agency of it yeah yeah the agency i do love the agency of it for sure yeah and the and especially with tabletop it sounds like the like open world aspect is really appealing to you as well yeah yeah being able to like um just kind of do whatever you want right <laughs> yeah and, um, and uh, we, we talked about this a bit but i i don't really get to pc very often but as a gm i find making worlds that other people can explore and having them open enough that i can take their wants and desires and then mm -hmm. mold the world around that i find that a really really rewarding experience being able yeah. to create a world with people that they're making their ideal experience yeah like that's a really rewarding thing for me oh that's awesome uh could you tell me about a gaming experience that was significant to you and why um i did a it was a do you know dark heresy yes like warhammer 40k dark Heresy. vaguely familiar yes i have lots of so 40k is, friends we're going we're going real nerdy <laughs> So this was a Warhammer 40k dark fantasy, um, the, the role-playing game. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> fan homebrew for Neon Genesis Evangelion. I'm sure Vince has told you about it because he plays it. Adeptus <laughs> Evangelion, I think is what it was called, at Eva. And that it sounds was just about right. A, it's just a homebrew and it used this system uh, and it was just an Evangelion fan game basically. And I got to PC <laughs> in one of those ones and that was fun. Um, that was a fun experience because it was probably the longest game I've actually ever had because I have a horrible track record with um, playing with adults who all have lives. And, oh God, uh, the eternal struggle. <laughs> so I have very, very rarely had a game last for more than a couple months, um, <laughs> which is very sad because uh, I have all of these grand adventures and ideas and plans. And normally we just get to do the 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 opening scenes, the the, the first chapter yeah um, but the few games that have managed to go on to like actually become almost complete campaigns uh they're very memorable and one of them was this this evangelion game which i got to pc in. that's amazing and uh yeah it was it wasn't it was just text-based it was like probably my first text-based um like just pure text-based we didn't do any voice or anything oh wow my first text-based um Tabletop game, tabletop. Online. <laughs> Online tabletop, yep. Yeah, you know, we use, we use Roll20 and um, Discord, I think. And this was way back in the day. So we're still using that now. <laughs> this Roll20 and because Discord. Because the tools haven't changed. The tools have not changed. We, we've got that old crotchety Roll20 <laughs> that still sort of clunks along. Oh, no. <laughs> so what, um, what was it like? PCing in that game because that was 
your first time and probably your only time really playing as a PC, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually, it was uh, before I transitioned. Um, oh. And I did, I did get to play, I get, did get to PC as a male character. So this was, it was probably my first real chance to express my gender in a tabletop sense. Um, and it was really, uh, it was really, really good at the time, I think, for me to get like, people referring to me as masculine and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, even yeah. in a role play sense, getting referred to as masculine with no, no questions or anything. And the text-based part really helped with that, I think, because there's no voice, there's no people misgendering or anything be because they misinterpreted. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I think that helped a lot with uh, making me more comfortable and, and testing the waters um, for my own, I don't, I don't wanna completely switch subjects, but my own actual transition period where I, mm -hmm. I explored that was actually in a different game um, in a MMO uh, yeah. where I came out just to my, my raid group basically. Um, mm -hmm. And they were just, they were my, my safety bubble there who I came out to first. And so they were the ones who misgendered me and did that whole confusing, uh, trying to get used to calling me by my correct pronouns and everything while I was figuring it out. So yeah. they did that for me. They were that bubble um, until I was ready to fully come out. And then I, of course, did and everything was fine. And now I'm basically stealth, so. <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I would say between those two things, between my raid group, which was kind of running parallel to when I was playing this game, Mm -hmm. um, those two things were happening at the same time and they definitely made me way more comfortable and we kind of realized that yes this is in fact the direction I want to go I, I want more of this I, I yeah this isn't just comfortable to me this is preferable this is desirable I, I don't want to just role play this I want to be this so what does gaming really mean to you gaming mean to me I mean, it's the purest form of expression, right? It's creativity. That's all, that's all gaming is, is someone's creativity and you're experiencing it or you're adding to it. I love that. That's beautiful. With that, uh, that will bring our first segment to a close. So Oliver, thank you so much for talking about games and why you love them with us. Um, we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk more about how games helped you uh, explore your gender identity. Um, Can we just do that? <laughs> we'll do it some more. <laughs> so everyone else, stay tuned. We'll be back in a sec. Welcome back to Replay. We are here with Oliver who is our favorite Canadian Forever GM. So let's get started. Uh, Ollie, how has gaming helped you to explore your gender identity? Um, well, we kind of already talked about it a little bit before, uh, but I think Let's it was dive in the deeper. safest place for me to explore my gender identity, especially in a small town um, where mm -hmm. I live. Exploring it in real life was not really on the table. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in high school, that wasn't happening. Uh, so I think I think exploring it in uh, role play, um, gaming, and otherwise 
mm-hmm. was just the safest way for me to do it because I had plausible deniability that it was just a game. Oh, okay. Okay. I wasn't doing anything weird. And I, you know, you do get some looks too. And I think um, that's something that a lot of GMs need to maybe take a step back from. It's, it's a lot less prevalent now. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's a very old school GM line of thought is that they don't want people playing outside their gender mm-hmm. and, or they're uncomfortable white, or they make a big deal about it. Or they're like, oh, well, we'll just, we'll, we'll have to figure something out for voices or whatever. And it's like, just don't, just don't comment. People can do whatever they want, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can be a male character with a effeminate voice. Who cares? It's it's role play. Mm-hmm. Um, I guarantee you, any GM who's acting like that does not have the greatest blacksmith voice of them all. Whenever the NPCs are going <laughs> shopping, or or I guarantee that GM can't do the queen particularly well. Like it's not. Yeah. Who cares? It's role play. Yeah, if you have the right group of people and the right GM, you're right. They, they shouldn't care, right? <laughs> yeah, no one should care. And no it's, one should it's care. <laughs> a really good and safe place to explore how you feel like referring to yourself as something, having people refer to you as something, um, mm-hmm. maybe even experiencing some situations that are um, unique to males or females, um, mm-hmm. depending on if the GM gives you those uh, or what kind of game you're playing, who knows. But I think it is probably one of the best places to explore it, um, at least in the beginning. Obviously, you want to explore it more on a physical level, you know, as you progress mentally. But mentally, mm-hmm. when you're still just figuring that out, peak. So what um, I know you mentioned to me that there was a whole other beginning before you even got into like tabletop RPGs, you did. Mm-hmm just kind of text-based role plays and forum role plays and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and I know you mentioned to me that you had like a boy persona online. <laughs> yeah. Can, can yeah. you talk to me about that? <laughs> so uh, yeah. in When I was a small child, just a wee lad, um, <laughs> I discovered the internet. And like <laughs> the first thing I did when I discovered the internet was I discovered forums and I was a terrible, terrible child who lied about my age <laughs> and <laughs> I just wanted to talk to people. So I was very lonely in this small town. Um, Understandable. So I talked to a lot of people online and I realized very quickly that I, I, I think what it was is I felt like guys got more respect online Oh, interesting. I felt like they got listened to more, like people took them more seriously. So uh, one day I just made a new account, a new persona online, uh, one would say, on all the various places that I frequented. And Mm -hmm. I started going by Daniel. And uh, I was just this, uh, just this young, young lad named Daniel. Um, (laughs) And uh, I was gay because at the time I was like, you know, a young young pubescent girl just getting into <laughs> huge boys and and girls at the time I came out to my mom as bi at like 10 I think and she was oh wow so, that's cool <laughs> yeah I mean but you know I was a uh... gay guys were popular online in the early <laughs> thousands we'll just put it that way <laughs> amazing just, <laughs> so I, I didn't just kind of this. ran with it <laughs> when people were like wait are you gay I was like oh. I mean I guess Oh no, my lie. I'm getting caught in my lie. People will find me out. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, so I pretended to be a guy online for many years, actually. After Daniel, I think I, I 
used a different name, but I don't actually remember what it was. Daniel lasted the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, after that, I just kind of, I think I just removed gender generally from myself. I kind of wanted to be more ambiguous. Interesting. That persisted for a long time. And I was non-binary for a while before I became transgender male. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty common, especially with uh, trans masculine people. Um, not mm-hmm. always, like a lot of a lot of times people will know right away, oh no, I'm, I'm a man, but I feel it's really, really common for trans masculine people in particular to go through a non-binary phase where they're exploring it, where they don't really want to say I'm transgender male because I feel like that's the step, right? That's the point of no return. Yeah. Whereas when you're non-binary, you're, no, I'm just fooling around, which is a terrible thing to say about non-binary people. Like they're not just fooling around. Non-binary people know who (laughs) they are. But I feel like it is a good transitionary step for a lot Mm -hmm. of transmasculine people to play in the non-binary space, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So for you, uh, as you were as you were Daniel online, yeah. did you did you play games as Daniel? I did, yeah. Uh, shoot, what was it? What did I play? I think I played Ragnarok online. That was my first my first MMO, and I I uh-huh. uh, I had two accounts. One that was my actual account, and one that I actually, I made as Daniel as well to play mm-hmm. with uh, some of the people, the friends that I had made as Daniel. And that was that was a difficult, that was a struggle. Um, with having these two personas is I was living a double life. Oh, wow. Where I had friends as Daniel that I couldn't include in the things I did as uh, who I was before mm-hmm. um, as, a, as, a, as a girl. Um, yeah. Or, and I couldn't mix my friends either because they didn't know about each other. Oh, that's so interesting. So How- it was, it was a struggle. And eventually I did, I did cave to that struggle. I was like, I don't like this. I want, I don't like lying to people. I want mm-hmm. my friends to all be friends. I want everyone to know the truth and, and the honesty. So I, I did, uh, I came out quote unquote <laughs> to them that I was not actually a man. And funny enough, I am now, but Hey, um, <laughs> and uh, I actually lost a lot of friends because they didn't like being lied to they didn't appreciate that which I mean fair I guess yeah uh especially at the time like um people exploring their gender that wasn't really a thing yeah like that didn't happen online I think I first heard about trans and I've been pretty active online but I think I first heard about trans people when I was like 17. oh wow I mean I live in Podunk nowhere mind you but online um being transgender was totally a fetish for the longest time. Interesting. Well, and you also don't, at least to my memory, you didn't hear about people and you still kind of don't hear about people that are transmasculine as much as you hear about trans feminine. When you hear transgender, you think, um, you think trans women, you think, Mm -hmm. uh, like, I'm trying to remember, um, oh no, I've forgotten her name. The, the lady from Orange is the New Black. What's her name? Oh, Laverne, okay, it is Laverne Cox. I was like, is that her name? Laverne Cox, yes. So you, they think about people like that, though. They think about those famous transgender women who are um, either advocates or just famous for being trans or whatever, mm-hmm. or famous actors in the case of Laverne Cox. Um, but you don't think about transmasculine men. Like there are a few transmasculine men who are, are famous even, mm-hmm. but you don't think of them as transgender. Yeah. They're not the face of the transgender movement. They're not even the face of trans men. Yeah. And I think it's, it's also interesting. um, Like the old, 
old MMO, like they always assumed that if you're playing a female character, you're probably secretly a guy anyway. Yeah. Like yeah. it went that way, but it didn't go the other way. <laughs> like yeah, there was yeah. never an assumption that a woman would be playing a male character. Um, so that's it's really interesting that you had two totally different accounts and two different yeah. sets of friends. And so what um when you tried to merge the two did you end up playing primarily on your like Daniel account or did you go back to your other one or how did No, I went back to my other one actually because it was just better. It was farther <laughs> along. Yeah. And um, all of my it. all of my Daniel friends like they left me. Like I that I like scorched earth by saying I'm not Oh my god. None like, of by them? telling them well I uh, let me think. I think I kept in contact like loose contact with a couple of them but we drift like it was that was it. We drifted apart. I was oh not who God. they thought I was and they didn't want to be my friend anymore. And that's, that's fair on them. Like I had lied about every facet of who I was. Yeah. If someone, if my, one of my best friends came out to me and told me, Hey, everything I've told you about me was a lie, including my name, my face. I just used a fake picture, all of these other things. I would also be like, well, I'm not really comfortable talking to you anymore. Yeah. So I get it what was the change in yourself? So what, what did you learn about yourself through this whole process of trying out these personas? I think the biggest thing that I took away from that back then mm -hmm. was that don't lie to people. Yeah. Don't lie to yourself, but don't lie to other people. Like don't, I think it's a good thing to create a safe space for yourself to explore, mm -hmm. but don't do it at the expense of others. Mm, okay. Don't hurt other people to explore yourself because it's not good. And, and that's not probably not what you were asking. You were probably asking for like what nice, cool thing I took away from myself, but I don't think I took anything positive out of that experience. I think I only took away, that was a bad way to go about it. Yeah creating a fake personality and hurting people that I cared about mm -hmm. is not something I would want to do again. Yeah. That said, in role play where everything's consensual and everyone mm -hmm. knows that I'm making, I'm exploring this. Yeah. I think that it is an incredibly powerful tool for gender expression, for self-exploration, mm -hmm. for mindfulness even like if you can sit down after a let's say you have like a rough session where mm -hmm. a lot of a lot happens to your character and you experience a lot of really emotional things mm -hmm. as this character that you're using as gender expression like you're playing as the opposite gender that you currently are because you're thinking about be, uh, being transgender or whatever yeah and if you sit down and you like reflect on that after the fact after the session like everyone does, everyone thinks back on it. But if you really sit there and you reflect on how all of that made you feel, I think it's a really powerful tool of self-exploration. Yeah. Do you gravitate towards certain types of games um, when you're thinking about like gender exploration or anything like that? I know like obviously role play, but is there anything yeah, yeah. else <laughs> like any certain kinds of games? Like do you prefer tabletop or MMOs or are there certain, you know, certain communities even that are better or more helpful oh, for that the communities are always so hit and miss you know yeah <laughs> uh, i can I think, imagine i think 
honestly, these days, I think most communities have grown to the point where you can't even say one community is good or bad. Yeah. Like you can't even look at, um, uh, let's say you, you can't even look at the Minecraft community anymore and say, oh, well, the Minecraft community is, is like kids and whatever. No, no. There are so many facets to that community. Yeah. And then you can't look at, uh, you can't even look at D&D and say D&D is for um, whatever nerds. This is for, for um, I'm trying to think of like what kind of image would conjure to the, the what the like D and D player the the really bad stereotype is like, like the basement the basement basement dwelling yeah the basement men, dwelling like, bearded men like yeah who like who disrespect women like that's not not D&D true anymore, anymore. the vast majority of players are women well maybe not majority but especially uh, new players the vast majority of new players have been LGBTQ, women, mm-hmm. uh, diverse groups that are really just opening up the uh, the hobby in amazing ways. Yeah. But like, yeah, there's just, you can't look at a, at a community anymore and be like, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. It's so big, everyone's online. Yeah, yeah. But I think my favorite would be well, right now it's MMOs because I can't get a game going, but <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like that. <laughs> it'd be like that. Um, yeah, my favorite would definitely just be a good, good old fashioned Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition tabletop game in mm-hmm. person with some people that you care about. The old school way will never be beaten by me yeah. in my mind. What else do you do as a GM to help those players um, explore their gender? or other elements of themselves? Um, Well, I mean, I think it's just about kind of letting them take the lead, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, where where do you want to take this? And then kind of following up with that. And because I don't, I would be very concerned about maybe pushing something too quickly for someone who's Mm -hmm. who's just exploring or playing around in the space. but I also wouldn't want to ignore someone's, you know, purpose in, in right. the character, right? So if someone makes a male character with the express purpose of, I want to get in a romantic situation with a female character to experience being in a romantic situation with a female, because I've never done that. Mm-hmm. If someone wants to do that, I wouldn't expressly keep, you know, romanceable female NPCs away from them. Right. So I would try and introduce you know, love interests and stuff. Yeah. Or and, unless they're, you know, getting on with someone in the party, but that can always happen. <laughs> so the, uh, like it's, uh, it's, it's um, enabling I, I try and let them, or yeah, providing yeah, opportunities. Take the lead, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I know a lot of GMs, their styles differ. Some people are more hands-on, some people are more hands-off. I'm more hands-off. I feel I like to let people kind of lead and then I'll bring the world in with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you were a more hands-on GM, I would maybe just have that dialogue with your players. Yeah, definitely. Session zero, always, every every time anyone talks about D and D, session zero is mandatory. Talk to your players. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to your players, even if they already have characters made. Yeah, that session zero is so important so for getting important. the connections started. Yeah, and just like figuring out, like, okay, what do we all want? What are we looking for out of D&T right now? Yeah. Am I, yeah. am I in the mood for something grim or is the life just really bad 
and I want to have some fun in a fantasy world where things aren't so bad. <laughs> yeah, <me> like, <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. Like setting the expectations, right? So it's not yeah, just, yeah. it's not just figuring out what you want, but also what is the expectation that everyone has in for this sure, game and sure. how- And definitely gonna... keep it private too. Like if you're talking to a person who's maybe exploring their gender with their character, maybe don't talk to them about that in that session zero with everyone. Maybe take, take that private and be like, okay, so what are you- actually looking for like yourself mm -hmm. like individually yeah because yeah again if someone is exploring that they might not want everyone else to know they're exploring that yeah yeah that's awesome um i do want to get into more uh like advice and recommendations for how we can support our trans gamers in the community but yeah. we're going to take a quick break first because that's a whole other topic friends. I hope you've been getting some great stuff out of these episodes. If you like what you've heard so far, please check out our merch shop over at victormediagroup.co. Every purchase supports me personally, so I would love it if you cover your shit in my stickers. <laughs> Remember, you can nab a replay merch over at victormediagroup.co. And once again, thanks so much for joining us at the game table. So we're back on replay and we're about to hear from Oliver about ways that we can support trans folks within the gaming community. Uh, so I just want to start out. Um, Oliver, do you have any advice for trans allies in the gaming community? Like what can we do either as players or GMs that can help support our trans friends? I think honestly, like I was mentioning earlier, just letting people play in the space without judgment is probably mm -hmm. the best thing that anyone can do. Let someone make the character they want, let them explore that character and just be judgment-free. Mm -hmm. As long as D&D remains a judgment-free zone. And honestly, if you can play as an orc or a tiefling or any of these other crazy things, then mm -hmm. who cares what gender you are? Who cares if you're a transgender uh, a character who cares if it's a fantasy setting and someone wants to play a transgender character why the fuck not who cares mm -hmm. if someone wants to play in a wheelchair who cares if someone wants to play a blind character a deaf character or uh, a character with crippling anxiety or any of these things that might create a difficult or um a little more work for the gm mm -hmm. who cares it's not it's in the end of the day it's not your game it's everyone's game you're making the game for the people and if the people want to do something that would be enriching for them, who are you to stop them? Mm -hmm. No one, you're no one. You're here to facilitate their happiness. Yeah. And then I know you mentioned earlier, uh, like voices can be like a barrier uh, to yeah. people who are playing the character. So how do you, as a GM, maybe how do you manage um, that to make sure that everyone can like just be accepted? Yeah, so I mean, like, barring just straight up not making a big deal out of someone's voice not matching their character, mm -hmm. like, if voices are, or if, um, if voice isn't a big deal to the game in general, mm -hmm. why not just get rid of voice, period, go text-based, go, um, mm. do anything that you can think of where you can make it more comfortable or less uh, jarring of an experience, but still let someone experience um, the game. Uh, like I mentioned before, my one game where I got to PC and it was all text-based. Mm -hmm. So there was no worry about my voice not matching uh, my character or 
anything that I was saying, like I had a chance to think about what a guy might do in this situation or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so, I mean, that's a kind of a unique experience. Uh, Text-based D&D isn't exactly a popular uh, <laughs> way to play, but um, there are different things you can do. There are unique ways you can alter the game to make it more comfortable for everyone involved. And, mm -hmm. but honestly, the best way would just be to be judgment free and let people yeah. do whatever the heck they want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, within reason, obviously. Don't like, oh, I want to be some tiefling with wings and uh, fl um, big fly speed and I can turn into a dragon and I've got a breath weapon. <laughs> Little OP there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe watch that. But as far as like, uh, I want to play a character with a trauma mm. or I want to play a character with um, with a, a surgery that is that has gotten, you know, surgery. So they're, you know, surgery that might exist in medieval. Oh, I'm trying to say like top surgery or something. Or <laughs> yeah. Anything yeah. like that. Uh, there's no reason not to. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't fit in your setting, just make something that's the beauty of D&D that's the the beauty of creating and collaborating is if someone comes up with an idea that you don't already have don't look at it as oh this is infringing on my property or this is infringing on my creativity look at it as oh this is adding something this is something that was missing from my setting mm -hmm. and now now it's getting added to yeah so some of the advice that I hear often is that one of the ways to be a good ally um, is to ensure that trans characters are represented in games. Yeah. Uh, sure. So either, either like in, in D and I, I, I hear about it more often, I think in other forms of media, like movies and, and mm. um, like video games and that kind of stuff. But like in, in D and D um, having them as NPCs, not necessarily as PCs, just just creating, like having that kind of representation in the world. I hear that a lot. Um, do you have any thoughts on how trans characters are represented in games or not represented or whatever the case might be? <laughs> right, so I definitely think that transgender characters and um, really just uh, gender divergent characters in general, like neuro, mm -hmm. uh, like non-binary. Yeah, sorry. My, yeah. Oh, my tongue got stuck in my throat there. Non-binary <laughs> or um, or anything like that is uh, definitely, there's more of it now as these places have kind of opened up to diversity and everything. Um, mm -hmm. But there's definitely not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think like I can probably count on one hand the amount of trans, especially trans masculine characters mm -hmm. that I can even think of that have been represented in in media let alone gaming yeah um so i think it would just be an important thing to think about like this character when you're making a character um if if nothing there is like serving the character mm -hmm. you can just add more diversity there's no harm in it and yeah i mean if you want to make a character specifically to facilitate um a specific aspect, right? Like if you want to make a, a trans feminine or trans masculine character uh, as say a role model or um, a friend or an ally to another transgender character in the mm -hmm. party, then you should do that. 
you you should create positive parallels in your game to what the players are trying to experience. So gotcha. if a person is trying to explore their gender, you should create a positive parallel in your game for them to see as uh, a, a possibility for them, for their character. Okay. So like a, a powerful, strong person who also shares this gendered aspect with your character, mm -hmm. I think that can be very uplifting to a player. I like that. Uh what are your so so in terms of representation um what do you personally want to see like what would be kind of your ideal yeah when it comes to representation i would just like to see a character who happens to be trans because that's just that's where where i identify right i'm a mm -hmm. person and i happen to be trans but i'm a person first i'm yeah. all over being transgender is just it's like uh it's like if you dye your hair like you're you you have hmm. you have your your hair dyed right now yeah your your natural hair color is just an aspect of who you are me being transgender is just an aspect of who i am i changed it because it matched me better this way hmm. I don't so i would I've... love to see more characters who just happen to be transgender yeah but i know there are some people who need more than that like especially kids young kids so I would argue that I think we need characters who are advocating transgender, who are actively, not passively transgender, who are mm -hmm. making those transitions even partially through. Maybe they're just starting transition. Maybe they're halfway through transition. Maybe there are some who are fully transitioned. Give us the, the full spectrum because it's not fair to show kids a fully transitioned person and say this is it this is what you you would be and then have them start and be like that's not me yeah that would be discouraging because i know that was yeah. a, a big hit to me when i started transitioning is and there wasn't a whole lot of ex um examples online of trans masculine people but um when you do like look it up uh you either get people making fun of trans masculine people who are early transition and who have the trans man beard you know, yeah. stuff like that. And then, or you get just these beefcake men who are used as examples of, ha, huh, you thought this was a trans man? Well, yeah, it's, it's like, well, so you're either made fun of or you're a hyper-masculine beefcake. So that was very discouraging for me. So I would love to see more, um, along the transitionary path. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I definitely think that there's a movement towards, especially in like the indie game community with video games, there's definitely a movement towards a lot more of like non-binary and yeah. different kinds of representation. I just started playing 2064, which was recommended to me by another podcast guest actually. Um, and every like, I, I feel like almost every character I meet in there is either non-binary or some kind of LGBT or, um, and they, they specifically ask you, what pronouns do you want to use when you create oh, your character? Nice, yeah. So I see things like that happening. Um, There's definitely a need for it. And I, but I'm still sitting here and I'm listening to what you're saying. And I'm like, but you don't really see them in the process of the transition still, no, right? You see like beginning and end point. A lot of the time too. Well, um, and this goes back to even just what I said, where I, I like a character who just happens to be trans, like uh, Celeste. 
Mm-hmm. Celeste is about a, a, a trans woman, isn't it? Where and you just kind of find out, and it's just like whatever. It's just an aspect of their character. I, I didn't know that actually. No, <laughs> I haven't oh, played. I, I hope I'm not played. wrong. I hope I'm not wrong. I'm not just spouting a fan theory. I'm pretty sure that the creator confirmed that Celeste was a trans woman. Oh, that's cool. But that's um, cool. But it's so like, like not like integral that. to the story, yeah. right? So like stuff like that, I love. But at the same time, you didn't even know. Yeah. So was it successful? Did it successfully represent trans people? I'd argue no, if you didn't even know. So how do we uh, influence, how do we influence um, creators to start including more of these narratives? Go, go create. Just go do it yourself? Just go create. <laughs> that we're not gonna, we're not going to. We are straight up not going to convince Hollywood to make transgender stories. We're not gonna convince EA or Blizzard to make transgender stories or or non-binary stories mm-hmm. or uh gay or lesbian stories or any story that isn't about a cis white guy with a five o'clock shadow trying to save his daughter figure oh uh, my god you're right there's so many games like or... that oh my god <laughs> <laughs> like if, if it's not that it's not the target demographic to these people but what they don't realize is the target demographic shouldn't be those people mm-hmm. the target demographic should be everyone make a well, story that appeals to everyone and unfortunately what they haven't realized yet is that story doesn't appeal to everyone anymore yeah i think at one time the 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 demographic of people that played games that was kind of the story that they wanted to see right like at one point yeah but it's changed so much and so we're seeing this lag in the game developer side especially in the major companies like it like i just mentioned you know indie games seem to be really on it and they're moving forward with it and and that's uh, why i think we need to have just just create because indie games are doing it we just need to have more people more diverse people uh lgbtq plus people um Mm -hmm. Uh, BIPOC, um, or is is it BIPOC or is it BIPOC? Bi- I've heard it both ways. I don't know. Non-whites. <laughs> Anyone non-white white. people. <laughs> non-white people uh, and non-straight people. Just go out there and make the story that you want to see. Mm-hmm. And don't even worry if you're not good enough. Because you know what? Uh, just look at like One Punch Man. <laughs> or uh, anything. Look, look at the original One Punch Man. Like, I'm just going to use One Punch Man as an example because that's the first thing that came to my head. But there are multiple examples. Uh, but One Punch Man looked like garbage. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it was a garbage webcomic. It was like stick figures. It was bad. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, I love the artist. He's a funny guy. But um, it wasn't very good art. And then it got picked up and it got improved. And the people cared about the story. In the end of the day, people don't care about the vehicle the story is presented in. People care about the story. If you can get them to read the story, and unfortunately, that's what makes the vehicle important is to, you know, make them read the the story. But if you could just get people to read your story, if it's good, if it's genuinely a good story, you don't have to be that talented in the other aspects. Yeah. But as we kind of close for the day, just want to ask you do you have any kind of final thoughts or advice or anything that you really want people to take away from this conversation i think the only thing that i would want people to take away from this conversation is two things and that would be one don't be afraid to play something weird or to explore something or to talk to your gm about doing something that you're a little uncomfortable with but you want to try just go for it just talk to people 
open your mouth, use your voice. And I mean, I know that's, that's can be like daunting sometimes, especially if you don't really know your GM that well, mm-hmm. but uh, at the end of the day, if you really want to explore something, don't hold back, explore, mm-hmm. check it out. Cause otherwise you'll end up like me and you'll waste a decade of your life being too scared to explore who you might actually be. Yeah. And the other thing that I would tell people is make shit. Mm-hmm. If you have an idea, make it. Like it doesn't have to be good. Yeah. If your first pass at it is if your first pass at it is bad, do it again. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. Because uh, in the at the end of the day, we just need more. We just need more stories that tell the stories that aren't getting told. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if they're perfect. Yeah. And I think we are not perfect. (laughs) Humans are not perfect. (laughs) It is the definition of being human, right? To err. I think I just want to add, for me, it was really important to have this, this, have you as a guest on the show and have this story get told about um, using games to explore gender identities. Because I think that in my experience, it's a story I hear a lot from my trans friends and even from my cis friends who have thought maybe I am, I want to try it out. Um, It's something I hear a lot, but I also think that it's something that doesn't get talked about. No, Uh, I don't think so. I think it should be talked about more though. I, yeah, I want it to be talked about more. And so for me, it was really important to have this story um, show up on the podcast and I'm really excited to share it with people. So, and I so appreciate you being willing to come on and talk about it with me. Well, I'm, I'm glad you wanted to hear from uh, my nobody self. Um, <laughs> hopefully it was at least a little interesting to listen to. It's okay to be a nobody because we're all really nobodies, you know, and it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's still <laughs> a valid story and I'm grateful to you for sharing it. So thank you. Thank I'm, you for coming on today. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to talk about uh, that kind of stuff <laughs> anytime. <laughs> For listening. I'll be back again soon with another episode. You can find episodes of Replay and all other Victor Media Group podcasts at victormediagroup.co. Replay is a VMG original and is created, hosted, and produced by Clara Mount. The show is executive produced by JB Adams and Gerard Mitchell with sound design by Aaron Trinka and original music by Bison. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow Victor Media Group on your favorite media channels and check out Bison's other tunes on Spotify, Bandcamp, and SoundCloud. Extra special thanks to all my listeners for hanging out with us today. Keep on playing, and remember, you're always welcome at this game table.